I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast, the show where we talk exclusively about Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Messiano and joining me today is football analyst Jordan Weimer and football journalist Tom Burdell. And we're back to winning ways again, boys. Yes, that draw was just a flash in the pan because Watford have won 2-0 today against Reading. And, uh, well, Watford pressed for me off, didn't they? They were a team possessed for the... For the, for, for the first part of the first half, Ismail Yassar was on top form, scoring two in three minutes. Both very different types of goals. Um, let's all take a moment, though, to just go, oh, sigh of relief, because the end was quite nervy, at least it was for me. Um, Jordan, overall, uh, how was the game for you? Yeah, I think the performance level maybe not quite where we wanted to see it. I think we we wanted to kind of have that consistency, kind of come back from that five game, that initial five game win streak, where we were kind of having that real high level of performance. It wasn't there, but I thought, I mean that that couple minute spell with this man scoring those two goals, that quality really shone through. And I think, I think we were allowed to kind of coast through those that second half and the kind of the rest of that half a little bit too, because Reading did pose some threat, but. We were relatively comfortable, despite the fact that I thought we were giving the ball away a little bit too cheaply in midfield and, and from defence quite a few times in that in that game. But I just think the quality in, in, in the personnel really show, like showed tonight and we just looked the better team through those individual kind of sparks of, uh, of talent and it was enough. How about you, Tom? Did you, uh, did you get nervy at the end or, was you, or did you pretty chill throughout? <laughs> no, I was fairly relaxed. I have a... A newfound kind of, well not newfound, I think it's been there for a lot of the season, but you know, real confidence in this team where supporters of every team kind of think, oh, our team is so typical of us to blow a lead or make it nervy or whatever, or let the team, let the opposition back into it. And, and, you know, we've been no exception in the past, but this season I just, I just have real confidence in us, I think, down to that defensive record. And, you know, there's no denying that Reading had opportunities the save that Daniel Batman had to make at the end really good firm hands from him but I, I never I never thought we were going to screw it up at that stage even when the six minutes went went up which was a bit of a surprise so overall it was a funny kind of game wasn't it we'd had two shots on target scored them both they were probably fairly low percentage chances but I, you know I never felt that the scoreline uh, flattered us we just sort of did the the minimal effort almost wasn't it? it was get the job get the get the goals get the points and then just shut up shop from there and um, we'll get into it but uh, I, I think we sort of kept them at arm's length for most of it 
it's funny because a few chances that both teams had and the two goals, obviously the main standout thing. It was quite a forgettable game in a lot of ways, wasn't it? It, you know, it wasn't the most eye-catching game across the ninety minutes, but that spark and that that few seconds was obviously just a real difference maker. Um, and it's interesting too because this could be. Well, we don't get we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. This could be a game we look back at, at the end of the season and think that was kind of you know that real moment we kind of felt like we were right at the right at the point of reaching that automatic spot and being being comfortable there and kind of pushing on towards that that promotion it's it's kind of strange to come off the back of a of a game that was relatively bland in comparison to the the two goal spell that it actually got us those three points so it's it's an interesting one to look at it's kind of hard to analyze a little bit too because it's so fresh but um yeah it's, it's just just a relief isn't it Tom, you were saying that you've got uh, you've nerves of steel. Like um, this season has been has been a bit different for you. I mean, personally, I was still very nervous. But but you know what? I think there's something in it. I think there's something into what you're saying there because before we start to record, and Jordan, you said, does this feel like a a new type of Watford, like the the old type of Watford that we're perhaps quite familiar to seeing? probably wouldn't have won that 2-0. They would have made it very difficult for themselves at the end. Maybe conceded one, possibly drawn the game. But they just they they saw it out, didn't they? Yeah, no, I think I think in previous seasons we've kind of had this this frailty to it. I know we've talked about this quite a few times before, but we have a we had a frailty to our squad which always seemed to kind of be under the surface. We all had that kind of fear and I think with the switch in personnel and you know changeover of players when we when we got relegated and a few players left, a few new ones came in, coaching style obviously changed quite a lot. I think there's such a new feel around the club. I feel like we've really kind of freshened things up a bit and I think that the confidence we've gained now it doesn't feel fickle i think a lot of a lot of previous times under under uh, oh, sorry for watford i feel like we've had a a confidence that didn't seem like it would stand up to much even under that run with javi gracia when we got to the fa cup final and it was obviously a great season it always kind of felt like we weren't that far away from from kind of slipping back down to where we were and mm. almost like we had some sort of level of imposter syndrome in the league that we didn't deserve to be in but we did and but now i do feel like the the team really deserves to be where they are and they fought for it and I think they, they, they believe in themselves which is you know it's huge and it's vitally important if you are going to be looking ahead to a Premier League season as well um, but lots of positive signs uh, especially if we're talking about character because that's an intangible that's really hard to hard to kind of rate on the pitch but it's something you can pick up on as fans when you're kind of watching every game and you're seeing the way these players interact with each other and I think from that perspective it's all all positive Something that you picked up on, Tom, and, and the, the pundits, uh, or at least on the Sky game that I was watching, picked up on it as well. Reading had far more opportunities than, than Watford did, particularly in that first half. And, you yeah. know, they were very, very dangerous. And to be honest, I think that half time probably couldn't come quick enough for Watford. Yeah, it's funny, wasn't it? Because at 2-0, I thought, you know, blimey, this could be anything. I thought we were getting, you know, getting in down that right-hand side a lot. It was almost threatening to be a bit like that Bristol, the Bristol City game um, a few, uh, well, a couple of months ago now. Uh, but from that point on, we sort of, I thought, I thought we lost control of the game a little bit, and we got it back in the second half. But you know, until half time, it, yeah, I definitely the the break came at the right time for us. We were not hanging on, but the momentum was definitely with Reading, and it needed something to break that. And it evidently wasn't going to be anything that came from us. Um, the the guilt edge chance that Pushkas had um, when Yakumate pulled it. Back yeah. for him, you know. If that goes in, then and not long before half time, their tails are up, and it, you know, potentially is an entirely different game. And maybe that is the difference, and that's the difference between me having confidence in us holding out or not. And it's, you know, it's nothing to do with us. It's the kind of toss of a coin. But um, I think that was probably the the kind of pivotal moment, wasn't it? They had 
Um, they maybe weren't guilt-edged opportunities after that, but they had, you know, they got in and around the penalty area enough times. But we clung on, and and that's kind of the the difference, I think, isn't it, between between us and them today? Our, our opportunities were minimal, but we took them, and 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 they had a few more and, and didn't. Yeah, something I actually talked about in the in the build-up to this game was you felt quite quite concerned about their ability to be clinical. They're really good at getting their shots on target, Reading. They're first in the league for that. And tonight they just weren't able to capitalise, which is quite rare for them. They're, they're generally pretty efficient. They don't they don't normally undershoot their XG at all. They pretty much hit the mark every time. And tonight they they had an XG rating of 2.01 and we had 1.13. This is from InfoGot, which is generally a pretty good model. Um, and it just kind of shows that we, we were able to, to keep them out. And we rode our luck a little bit, but we also had some, some good goalkeeping, I thought, and some some good defending at times so it's just really positive isn't it I mean to come away from a game such as that and still have those three points because as you say that that push gas chance and even the Mato one as well really good opportunities for Reading that could have gone a different way a different night but yeah we came away with it which is massive mm. I also do think too uh, where you were mentioning earlier on there Tom about kind of pushing down that right hand side again as another thing we talked about after the Middlesbrough game is we had some concerns. What what are we going to do in these games where teams are going to be looking to kind of contain that right-hand side? I, I did think it was a huge miss for Reading that Omar Richards wasn't able to start the game. Um, having to having to switch around players and, and have a you know, backup left-back in there. He's really a centre-back as well, playing left-back. It gave us so much space on that right-hand side and it allowed us to be that threat that we can be. Not, I mean, of course, we see how much how much of a danger this Manasar can be in, in that two minute spell and that was big for us because we, we we weren't looking for other areas of attack so much again tonight but when we are having so much success like Bristol City like tonight you can go with that and it can it can work it can work for you um, but yeah it was a big big miss for Reading to be missing Richards from the start do you think the fact that Zhao didn't start as well helped out Watford um, yeah I, I, I do I don't really I think if you're talking about I think when you talk about Lucas Zhao you're thinking about you're thinking about on to on form Jao, but he's been horrifically off form for the last couple of months. He he's a shell of the player that he was right now. Um, and Pushkas was kind of a hot hand. He scored in his last game and he's he's been pretty good. He's just had a few injury problems. And obviously, if you're playing behind an informed Jao, it's hard to get in the team. But Jao's not really been up to form, and it's 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 been difficult to watch. Uh, I went back for the for the preview and I watched quite a, I watched a few Reading games, and it's definitely quite clear that he was he was not confident in his performances um, and we've we've seen similar similar things with our own strikers if, if you've got a striker that's not confident everything looks different and Jao's quite an all-round player he's good at taking the ball down bringing those into play and scoring chances and if you take all of those aspects out of his game or, or drop those levels down 50% it's just it's not the threat that you're kind of expecting so it might have been good because you never want to see a player play his way into form against your team and it often feels like we are that team um, but I think that when he came on, I wasn't as concerned as I would have been six months ago, that's for sure. Okay. Um, Philip Zinconagel, who, uh, to his credit, uh, put in a, a great assist for, uh, for for Saar's second, I feel didn't have his best performance today. A lot of uh, misplaced passes. Uh, and also True Stekong, I think, as well, was was guilty of a few of those. Tom, what was your opinion of those two today? Uh, Zinconagel had a pretty ropey first half didn't he I thought he and the midfield in general sort of I, d I don't know what it was tactically necessarily but they certainly seemed to tighten it up get a bit more of a grip on it in the second half I really didn't expect to see Zink and Argyle return in the second half I thought Dan Gosling come on and just you know play in a, a slightly less advanced role and a less advanced position sorry and, and just really plug it up block it up and try and stop Reading 
getting through us because particularly with you know confident ball carriers like Elise and Oviajaria, they were just you know they were having a lot of joy. Um, but to his credit, he he I think improved in the second half, and I think the we saw exactly why Carlos Sanchez signed. You know, and I was very skeptical, mm. a bit you know, kind of underwhelmed when we signed him. But I think we saw all his experience tonight, just coming on and sitting in there and just being very disciplined and and using the ball well and. Um, you know, really just using all that experience that we we know he's got. I, it was, you know, the longest he's played, I think I'm right in saying, and um, probably his best performance as well. And the contribution to the, the overall result was, was big from that point of view. And um, we looked a whole lot better in that second half. I wasn't sure why Chalabar came off. I missed the very start of the second half. Did they say it was Injured. down to injury? Yeah. It, it was injury, right. Injury. Yeah. So that potentially is a blow, assuming he's, uh, unless it's only a, a quick one. Um, and then as far as Trusta Kong was concerned, I don't think he was bad, bad, was he? But he basically made two very high-profile, poor passes. Um, and w- it's not a news flash to say that he is dicey in possession. He makes those... He, makes those, um, he does that. Passes he does that, doesn't he? a few times, doesn't he? And I suppose... That's it. it. I suppose it's the kind of passes that you won't get away with in the Premier League. Maybe he is getting away with them in the Championship, but... I think you... I don't think you have to... The thing is with him in the Premier League, you don't have to make... When he's, when he's playing for us right now, he's having to have so much so much more of the ball than you'd have in the team when you're in the kind of if you're looking in the Premier League you're not going to be dominating the ball at the same rate that we are and he has to have a lot of possession and teams right now are trying to are trying to allow him to have the ball it's not a coincidence that he keeps making these mistakes we are allowing him to play or they are allowing him to play um, Serie Alta and the fullbacks get much less time but it's not uncommon to see Trusta Kong not have a man in him and not have that pressure because they want him to play into midfield they want him to play long um, and you know it's difficult because I think I do think if Trusta Kong is out, I, I do think we'll miss that combative nature. I think we've become quite used to the defensive solidity we've had, and I think that will be a miss when he is out, um, as he could well be for the next fixture. Um, I think it would be a, it would be a shame not to have him. But in possession, he can be he can be a an issue. Um, sometimes the movement in midfield hasn't been great, but I think I think oftentimes to me it looks like he's. He wants to play the ball into midfield, but he doesn't really see a pass, and he's just kind of forcing it a bit too much. Um, and that can happen when you've got a team that want to try and keep the ball down, and everyone's kind of covered really. Instead of being that guy to play it long, he might try a little bit too much, and you know we can we can be punished for it, which is it's, it's something we've got to be really careful of. But I, I do think in regards to the midfield as well, touching on Zinkenegel, I don't think the midfield three as a whole were the best tonight. Um, Will Hughes was fine. He he wasn't bad by any means, but he he wasn't really controlling things as much as as we'd normally see, perhaps. Um, and I think in possession too. I don't think Chalabar was quite sharp, and Zinkenegg obviously had a bad game. I thought off the ball he wasn't terrible. Um, he he obviously gave away a few fouls and a few tactical fouls, which I don't mind. But um, possession wise, is a little bit loose. Uh, his touch is a little bit loose, and I I think the midfield as a, as a whole weren't great. Um, I do want to watch it back and see for sure, but just my initial kind of uh, feeling on that was the spacing looked a little bit off to me. Um, we looked a lot further apart than we had been. I know we normally have Will Hughes a little bit deep when the, the two more advanced midfielders, but it all seemed quite spread out. 
um, and it didn't seem like we were really kind of getting ourselves into position to to get those passes off. And mm. perhaps that's something we can I could find out a little bit more about being able to sit down and watch the game again and kind of look at it from a different different perspective, perhaps. But um, yeah, I didn't think it was the best performance as a whole from that three. So if we're picking out Zinchenko, it's fair enough. I think he was the worst of the three, but it was definitely a midfield issue, which I, th- I thought we did quite a good job rectifying with the uh, inclusion of Carlos Sanchez in the second half. He's called La Roca for for a reason, and um, you know he he really does add that protective nature that um, sometimes Watford don't always have in in that midfield three. Yeah, he's just he's got a calmness to his game. Um, he, he's happy to sit in that defensive role. He's not he's not worried about getting forward and contributing in that side of the pitch so much. Even though he he can, he's able to. He's just really happy to recycle possession. He's nice and tidy in possession, and he's. He he's good at reading the space and he's he's an intelligent footballer. He knows how to block off those lanes and and make Reading kind of keep pushing that ball out wide. And even when he's not directly involved in a, in a tackle or in a, you know trying to win a header, he's he's shutting things down for the opposition, which is always good to see. And it's something that Nathaniel Chad has been capable of when he plays in that deeper role. But I think when you watch Carlos Sanchez play, he plays in a little bit more of a passive way. Um, don't be wrong, he can put an attack when he's he's pretty good at doing so. But he he's also very good at just being that kind of passive midfielder that's just making it difficult for the opposition to play in those lanes. And he he just put put a level of control onto the uh, onto the midfield that we were really lacking in that first half. It allowed Will Hughes a little bit more time as well, and I think it just helped that balance. It wouldn't be something necessarily that we'd want every game and to start, but when when he signed, we were talking about the pros and cons of it. One of the pros was saying that you know, if we use him as a utility tool, if he's an option to bring on in specific situations, well, I think tonight was a prime example of that sort of situation where you're struggling to kind of really control that midfield and you need a little bit of a little bit more solidity and to calm things down a little bit and maybe have a few more options for those centre backs to play into then I think Carlos Sanchez is perfect for that and he, he fit that role you know, down to a T. Um, so I think he, he did really well. And I think anyone that kind of questioned him is fair enough when he joined, there's plenty of question marks around him. But I think a lot of people, to give them credit too, made a good assessment in saying that if you play him at the right moment for the right purpose, and he, he's by no means a uh, useless player to have in the squad, he's actually the opposite. Is it also fair to say, Jordan, that the tempo slowed quite a bit in the second half, so it kind of suited him a bit more? Yeah, he's not an all-action kind of getting bombing around the pitch sort of player. He's happy to have a slow tempo, um, and I think that too. I think that then two goals missed when I saw they allowed us to play in second gear. We didn't have to get out of it, especially with us being able to be quite solid defensively. If you're confident in that back line, you're confident as that team as a whole defensively. You're okay to be with a two-nil lead. And you feel quite good that you're not going to drop that. Then you've got a lot of fixtures coming up and we played a lot of football. There's a lot of minutes in those legs. If you can sit back in second gear for 90 minutes, I'd, I'd rather win 2-0 and save save a little bit of that and kind of reduce those injury risks. I know we had a couple, but you know you know what I'm saying, just kind of lower things a little bit and, and kind of coast through that second half. If we can do that and finish at 2-0, then I'll take that every game for the rest of the season if that's necessary. Um, it allows us to open up should we need to in, in different games, especially the derby coming up, no problems at all. So if Carlos Sanchez comes in there and, and helps facilitate that sort of game plan, then that's perfect. So 2-0 it was then, and uh, now just 10 points away from promotion uh, guaranteed, Tom. Feels nice, doesn't it? I've got to say, and this is not like me, I'm definitely a worst-case scenario person a lot of the time in, in football and in, in, in more broadly in my personal life but for the last couple of weeks now I, I text a friend of mine and we who we and we generally disagree on Watford matters but we both agreed on feeling absolute having absolute confidence just the way we're playing I just think we're in such a good period um, in, and obviously in terms of results but the momentum that we have got is 
just so important at this stage. So I, I, I think we will do it. It is, as we discussed on a previous episode, it's, it's far better to be in our position than, than, than Brentford and to a lesser extent now Swansea sort of looking up at us. That looks imposing as a gap, doesn't it? It's starting to become a bit of a chasm and you know they've both been in a in a, a period of poor form so yeah I'm I am uncharacteristically confident I have to say yeah now 12 points clear of of, of Brentford which is uh massive isn't it but um, obviously they have their game at hand like like you mentioned and and so do Swansea in fact pretty much everyone almost uh, has the game in hand because we've played early on Friday haven't we but um it's important to get that win and just put the pressure on the teams yeah I think the pressure on Brentford now is Massive. I think that's that's the biggest thing for me. It's uh, like if you happen to say, can Brentford catch up to us now? Yes, they can. I think they they've got some issues in the pitch, but they can they can catch up with us from a footballing perspective. I think for me, if you're looking at them overcoming an obstacle, I think the psychological obstacle they have to overcome now is bigger than the physical one. Um, the thought now of going into these next few games chasing us, they've got to wait for that game in hand to be played. Still, they have to be winning games now to even keep to even try and keep up with us so every game they have to go in and win it's it's tiring and it's hard to it's hard to go into those and and avoid the pressure that you're going to be feeling naturally as soon as a goal goes in against you you know it's hard to it's hard to overcome those sorts of situations so it's not improbable that that Brentford struggle over this next patch as I said they could they could come together and they could get something out of it but if they drop points now especially in this next game I think it's I would say personally if they if they lose this game I would be almost certain that, that it would be the table as it is now. So tomorrow, Brentford are away at Preston North End. Uh, Swansea, if we're still talking about them, they're playing the early game against Millwall away again as well. And let's take a look at Barnsley as well, because they're kind of in the mix. They're at home to Middlesbrough. So those are the kind of three games to keep our eyes on. I mean, I don't. The matchup for Preston Brentford isn't great either. It's a team that can expose some of Brentford's frailties. And if you're a Brentford fan, you're not feeling amazingly confident going into this one. Or I think in general, I think a lot of Brentford fans are very resigned now to looking at these playoff spots. And it's, you know, I don't think it's just a case of prepare for the worst and hope for the best kind of thing. I think they genuinely feel that there's not enough there right now to to make the push that's required to catch us. And really, we now just have to keep churning out the points. If we beat Luton, then I don't see us being caught at this point. We would have to fall off a cliff, basically, wouldn't we? And they would have to win every game. And it's just, yeah. It just, I mean, it just obviously it helps with playing them, but and we're playing Norwich, so you know, I do think we'll lose before the season's over. I I do think that, but it's whether that's enough. You know, if we if we have to, if we lose one game and get a few draws and pick up one or two more wins, then you know, it's 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 very difficult to overcome. They have to. The thing is now, it's not in their hands. And every time they win, every time they fight tooth and nail for a victory and it's still not in their hands, it's, it's difficult to overcome. Well, we brought their name up there, Jordan. Luton, the Hatters, the old rivals. Um, Tom, Watford obviously needs to carry on winning regardless, don't they? But will this one come with a little bit of extra spice given that um, Watford always want to get one over their nearby neighbours? Yeah, of course. It's uh, you know, it, I'm sure they will be aware, like they were for the home game, that it's you know, it's it's important to us. Um, you know, the opportunity to go there and take a, a sizable step towards promotion and and leave them coughing in our dust is 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 very appealing, isn't it? We obviously know from the the first game of Vicarage Road, albeit it was early in the season, and we were trying to you know get used to things with Ivic and we didn't have everybody back necessarily it was it was a very different game and it was very un derby like wasn't it as as a as a as a match up goes 
But, you know, there's going to be something on it and they will want nothing more. They've got nothing to play for it this season. They've had a decent season, so they're going to have, you know, the the motivation for them is going to be to try and trip us up as much as they can and, and hopefully, you know, end this, this run of, uh, this unbeaten run and potentially ruin our promotion push altogether. That's, you know, that's what they're going to go for. And it's... Um, it's going to be a tough game for kind of more than more than that reason, obviously, because the the, the stakes are high now as well. It's mm. you know tantalisingly close, isn't it? So it's going to be a fraught game. But at this stage, as we said of today, it's just knocking the wins off, isn't it, or knocking the results off one by one, and just and just edging closer. And uh, to carry on what Jordan was saying there, I, I agree. I think we will probably lose before the season out because I just don't I don't see how we can go unbeaten for that long um, in in this league. But it's uh, the motivation has to be getting the job done before we play um, Brentford and Swansea, doesn't it? And just completely taking it out of their hands. I think there's going to be so much emotion in, in this in this derby game because of obviously what we're fighting for and that kind of promotion push. There's a lot at stake, and it's it's not just about that derby. I think naturally that that emotion will kind of flow like flow into the actual derby atmosphere itself too. And I think there's way more. Way more on this one because obviously we're trying to push for that win. We need that win, and Luton, were, Luton would love nothing more than to ruin that for us too, and give us any sort of worry they could possibly, you know, possibly can in that that promotion push. So I think naturally it's going to be a, a feistier affair, and there's going to be more into it. It's going to be, it's not going to have that stale atmosphere. I think also playing away helps that too. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Um, I don't think it's going to be one that we're going to be that's going to be allowed to be that kind of low tempo, uh, slightly more passive for large portions of the game kind of performance. I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a very aggressive, fast paced, quite a good game. I'd, I'd hope, um, and I don't think, as I said, it's not going to be the, quite that same kind of slightly stale performance we had in the first one. I think I think I'm very pleased that it's Luton that we're playing actually, because if you if you just thought for a moment and think, okay, let's pretend it's not Luton. It's a mid-table team. They're not fighting for anything. They're not really going to get into the playoffs. They're far, far away from that. They're nowhere near in danger of relegation. It's one of those games that has the danger of just being a nothing game. But because there is that spice to it of uh, we have to beat Luton, uh, and and likewise for them uh, wanting to beat us, it will make the game maybe more interesting than it would have been. Yeah, and I think that's the thing too. We discussed in the uh, international break, we did the, the podcast talking about the, the kind of final run-in. This is something we discussed quite a lot at length. I think if, you, if you're talking about Watford and this Watford team right now, I think all of us sat here and everyone listening are very confident that we can go out there and beat any team in the league. We, we've shown that. We've you know we've got the ability to do so. We've got the talent, as you can see, the likes of Ishmael Asar tonight. The kind of worry going into this final run of games is... Can you keep the can you keep the focus going? Can you keep the level of intensity going in performances? We've seen that drop a little bit, but I think I'd much rather be playing these games that matter and force you to be a, a focused and force you to kind of be at them high levels. A derby game, you, you're going to have to play to that level or lose. I think the team's going to be very prepared for that. Game against Norwich, you're playing top of the league, you're going to want to perform. Games against Brentford, Swansea, teams around you. Even though they're much harder games in terms of you know being able to go out there and play against that team and get the result, they're harder but I do expect the level of focus to be better. And if that level of focus is there and that attention to detail is there and I've got no question that we can beat those teams, is when we drop off from that a little bit. Even even when we perform, even when we played away at Bournemouth, I thought our level of, of focus maybe dropped a little bit. We're on quite a good run and we, we went there with a bit of, um, maybe we were a little bit underestimated. We underestimated Bournemouth a little bit and we didn't quite kind of, 
approach it with the same intensity we had in previous games and focus and we, we did drop out but this this kind of running now I can't see us losing that and I think if we don't then we've got a very good chance of coming away with the points we need I'd much rather be playing these teams the, the, uh, we discussed this too the fixtures the way they are set I'd much rather have this kind of lower end teams not really lower end obviously Reading and Borough kind of around the playoffs but the in inverted commas easier running I'd much rather have that front loaded on these last eight mm. games and than the at the end where we have to win those games because obviously of course too you fancy yourself to pick up those points now and I'd much rather have those points on the board and the opportunity to get them like Brentford have so the fact that we've come away from these games with a decent a decent accumulation of points could be even better with a win at Luton then that last set of fixtures you feel so much more confident about did you see that Sky Sports pop a little graphic saying uh, who had the most difficult uh, games left? Mm. And I think Watford was second, weren't they? Yeah, we were first. second. I think, was it something like 1.7 points per game our, opponent, our remaining opponents? Yeah. Opponents? Opponents, try it in English, are averaging. Um, yeah, but to be honest, I don't, I don't mind that so much because I would probably be more worried about us being complacent and t- trying to take it easy than I would us raising our game to beat these teams. You know, we know that... Um, that's what I was trying to say in a way more concise manner, I think. <laughs> that's, that's it. But it's true. It is true. I, I, I'm totally with you, Jordan. I think, you know, we know Norwich are good. They're, they're the probable champions. We know Brentford and Swansea are at least high in the table. Brentford are good. Maybe not so much Swansea. And so on, you know, and, and other teams that we've played recently, Reading, Borough, banging on the door for the playoffs, in the playoffs. So I would rather that. I think it just focuses the mind, doesn't it? Um, I thought, do you know, the other stat that we didn't mention about the, the game tonight specifically that came up during, during Sky uh, broadcast was that we have got scored the most goals in the opening uh, 15 minutes. It was 14 prior to tonight, obviously 16 now. And Jordan, I, I thought at the time, I wondered... What your why is that? Why are we so good at that? In your opinion, uh, scoring early. Yes, I think it's just the. I think when you have when you have power in your team, I don't just mean physical strength. I mean explosive speed and, and aggression that you can get from the likes of Ismail Assar. I think you can. I think teams can be nervous going into that. And I think it does naturally. It takes a little while for the game to settle. I think there's always going to be a benefit to teams that have those sort of physical attributes to play aggressive from the beginning and, and push early on because defences are going to be a little bit and not quite be going to be quite up to their rhythm yet. And if you can if you can cash them out in those early stages, it's I mean it can be deadly as we've seen. Um, I think that is the difference to me. We're not we're a team that can be quite direct, uh, especially from that right hand side we talked about so much. I, I just think you can overpower teams. You can you can shell shock them from the beginning. I think that's what happens. Uh, I think also too, you, you have a lot of teams that are facing us, especially at Vicarage Road, that look to sit back. And I think as the season's gone on, we've got quite adept at actually playing against those teams. And if you combine that with those those early minutes of just real intense kind of you know running and and direct football, then it can be overpowering for for a team that's sat, sat quite deep. I suppose we're, we're kind of done here. I just wanted to I wanted to touch just before we go um, on the fact that obviously this Luton game is kind of another another sad reminder really that um you know Watford Watford fans particularly if, if we do end up getting promoted will have missed out on a whole season of, of being able to to be present in you know in one of the games that hasn't really been around for for a little while the the Watford Luton fixtures I think how many seasons was it before we had it before this season well it must be over 10 right or 
something close yeah. to that. Yeah, 2005-06, wasn't it, when we uh, went up under Boothroyd. Can't be honest, I don't care about these games. I've, <laughs> said, I've said this I've said this before, I've written this before. I just, in my Watford supporting life, we've been, you know, when I've been actually old enough to be aware of what's going on and so on. We've been in the same division about three times. I, I, under, I understand the historic rivalry and I, I know it upset people when I said it before when I did when this was years ago I wrote a piece when I was doing Vital Watford and people were up in arms about it and you know I didn't mean it to that int- if I did, that wasn't the purpose of it it was my it's my genuinely held belief like I, I, I hate Bournemouth more I find Bournemouth yeah, so I annoying I do you know agree, what I mean I just I really find Bournemouth irritating and I think with the, the Luton are historic rivals so I get the importance but it doesn't really mean that much more to me as someone who's well 29 in a month's time but you know of that age group it wasn't long it ago they were playing non-league football was it I mean that's it exactly you, kind of, you, you stopped really that's hating it. them became, and started just feeling a bit sorry and, and like they, they, became, they weren't really it, I did important. yeah that's it I thought they were shafted and I, I yeah I felt kind of sorry for them and I thought I thought you know there's no greater sort of uh, insult in a way than them being such a dot on our radar. They didn't even play in the same league structure as us for a while. You know, if you're that, if you're that way inclined. So I was kind of glad they were back to to you know to have that rivalry. But I'm sure I, you know I know I don't speak for all Watford fans when I say that, and I probably don't speak for all Watford fans in my sort of age demographic either. You know, I'm sure if you ask someone of my dad's, you know, dad's sixty one. You know, he would have a, di- a different view. I'm sure, you know, a lot of other people um, hold a different view. But I just, I, you know, it would be a nice win. But I don't, it's no more of a bonus to me than beating anyone else. At this stage, the, pri- the prize of promotion is literally all I'm focused on. I think I think the Luton derby is difficult if you don't have the the physical connection to it from kind of having those experiences of games that we have. Mm we have from the likes of Palace and Bournemouth over recent years, you know? Yeah. yeah. But there is a romanticism to, to the Luton derby. I think we haven't been able to experience it in my, I mean, I'm 29 too, and I think you're 39, is it, is it Matt? 32, um, <laughs> And uh, I, I think, you know, we, we haven't been able to experience it to the same degree that some older fans have, and but we can appreciate it for sure. And I think you can only make that rivalry through the kind of experiences you have and the fixtures that, that take place and when exactly. they haven't taken place over the years it's hard to but we all know that it, there is an importance to it and I think for me if it, if anyone feels like that if anyone has that intensity that we've felt in recent years in the FA Cup kind of quarter final against Palace and if you feel that way for a Luton game then by, like, you know we all kind of we all want to win and I, I would like to feel that way about this game too and I do to some extent I think maybe I think maybe just from what you said there I care a little bit more about it than, than perhaps you do Tom I don't really have a good reason why because I've watched the exact same football you have I don't know um, That's but, I've, I've been to one I've been to one in one derby and that was that 05-06 season I was too young in 2002 to go despite wanting to go in my dad's view at the time and this is the first time since the cup game. In the I think that's the one I went. That was the cup game, yeah. and there was trouble. So t- to be fair, for once, he was proven right. But <laughs> I think, I think, um, I think there's just been a real narrative around those Palace and Bournemouth games that allow us to kind of fall into that feeling of derby, and I think they feel like that too. It's not just one way, is it? Um, and they are kind of I don't know. Palace have got some. They are relatively close, and even I mean, nothing feels far apart anymore, does it? Especially around that kind of south side. I think all the all the teams and 
you're playing each other so regularly over the, over those periods, especially Bournemouth, who've been are kind of tied to them for a number of the last six. I mean, the whole Pozzo era have kind of been tied to Bournemouth in some respect, haven't we? Mm. And yeah. now we're kind of could be again I mean it's still it's still feasible as things stand I've gone off a bit of a sidetrack here but it's still feasible which is kind of funny that we're going back up with, we could go back up with, with Bournemouth again even Norwich as well so yeah. you know it's it, it's interesting but th- there's more of a storyline with these teams yeah. um, so you can't feel that extra tension and also too I don't know how many of you guys really interact with Luton fans anymore I don't think I know but, any Luton no I know one, no, I know I one be... Luton fan and he's a lovely guy so uh, you know I, I, don't, I don't even Dislike Luton fans that I know. You know, you know. Have you ever seen those stickers out there that um, that some creative Watford uh, Watford you know, Watford person has has invented? There's one it's very a, near where I live. It's a, it's a picture of Elton John uh, sitting on 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 the throne. Um, yes. and, and on it, the sa- throne. It, it says um, it says something uh, something something uh, on Luton. Um, uh, and um, you know what? I think they should probably change the wording to something more like "Remember Luton?" Question <laughs> mark. Like I mean, they're just trying to like they they need to drum up uh, more hatred for Luton if that's their real uh, yeah. if that's their real plan they need, because I don't think anyone cares about them anymore. Like I'm all for rivalry. Every every team wants you want the rivalries to happen. It's great, but you just you have to. It has to be someone you're actually playing. That's the thing. Mm. And as we touched on there, we played Bournemouth so many times. There've been so many incidents in these games, and I think Bournemouth too for a long time had a they had a way of playing games and their approach to games that that made it very easy to kind of fall into that Derby oh, feel, yeah. especially, you know, the dark arts they installed under Eddie, under Eddie Howe was, you know, particularly frustrating at times and especially when we're kind of both fighting for that, that promotion in, in the championship and the way it all ended. There's lots of factors at play mm-hmm. um, and Palace, the games at Wembley, which have been yes. brutal. I, I, um, I had a big thing about Palace for a while because my, my ex-girlfriend, uh, their family supported Palace. Uh, enough about that. Do you, want, but... do you want to talk about it? No, no, no. I'm done. I'm done with that. <laughs> well, also, Wembley. I mean, Palace ruined Wembley for a long. You know, the thought of going to Wembley just was a disgusting thought for a long time because of two successive <laughs> Crystal Palace games at Wembley. Even now, I don't like to pass on the train. You know, it's, it's something you. Even though we've had success there since in the Wolves game and stuff, there's still that there's still that pit in my stomach feeling when I think about Crystal Palace and I think about Wembley. So there's there's a there's an actual impact on you, like an emotional impact that we've kind of felt from these from these gains. Mm. We just haven't had the opportunity to feel from Luton yet. And I hope we do at some point. Well, I kind of hope we don't, I guess. I want us to kind of bypass <laughs> them. But, you know what I mean? If, if, if that derby's ever to resurrect, it has to be from, I guess, Luton match on our level. We did have some small thing with Everton as well. I don't know if you remember the snakes. That, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, and uh, even Reading, oh. even Reading for a while. There was a, yeah. there was a weird oh, patch of time when, where um, Brendan Rodgers. Yes, Brendan Rodgers went to there. Yeah. Yeah, and there was I a few remember. players that kind of went there, wasn't there? Yeah. Adrian Marapa went there, which is kind of frustrating. At the time. I can remember going to the first game after he went to Reading at the Medeski. Uh, with mate of mine, purely, I went to a lot more away games at that point because I was young and had disposable income. Oh, that, those were the days. Um, <laughs> but purely because it was Reading away and I just wanted to vent my frustration at Brendan Rodgers. And you're absolutely right about Bournemouth as well. It's, I always think with them, it makes me think of that uh, Batman Dark Knight where he's hanging out the building with Joker <laughs> and they go, and he goes... You and I are destined to do this forever because he won't kill him. It's like that with us and Bournemouth, isn't it? We're just destined forever. We're they hate us, we hate them, and I'm I'm fine with that. Someone make that video with the real cheap kind of badges over the faces. Of the <laughs> yeah. Well, this is something to become story time rather than uh, analytics time, hasn't it? But um, 
Uh, let's wrap this one up because I think we've gone on far too long uh, and we're going to have to start getting out the Weber's Originals if we, if we carry on any longer. I was quite enjoying it. <laughs> oh dear. Just before we go, uh, Jordan's got a question in from Adam he would like to, uh, like to bring to the front. So I've got a question from Adam on Twitter asking if we could cover the best centre-back pairing if uh, William Trooster Kong is out. Um, he's saying Trooster Kong is clearly solid defensively, but distribution from the back is a concern. We touched on we touched on uh, Trooster Kong's distribution a little bit earlier, didn't we? Um, but we didn't really discuss who who we'd be having to kind of replace him. I know Cathcart came off the bench, but what, what do you guys think would be the most likely kind of incoming uh, centre back switch if if a Kong is out? I want to see Wilmot, but I think it's going to be Craig Cathcart, isn't it? Because that's who he brought on today. Um, Personally, I think that Wilmot is that ball-playing centre-half that Watford need. But uh, Zisco uh, is more in the camp of sort of having someone that's a bit more boisterous, perhaps, than, than Wilmot. And I guess True Stekong is that man. And if he's not fit, then probably the next cab off the rank for that would be Cabaselli. But he's not quite there yet, is he? So Craig Kafka is the man that is being deployed in reserve. I mean, what do you think, Tom? I would keep it as it is, to be honest, because I think, you know, first and foremost, you have to judge them on their... The truth is injured. Yeah, he's injured. You can't keep it as it is. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was... I was you think they're so bad, you're going to start with 10 men, Tom. <laughs> I was taking it as a holistic point. Sorry, sorry. Um, ben Wilmot's not even getting on the bench at the moment, is he? No, he's at home um, with his feet up. I... Yeah, I've got to be honest, I quite like to see Ben Wilmot play as well. I... I'm not unhappy with any of them, to be honest. They're all much for muchness for me. Well, all right, no, that's a lie. Cathcart and Cabasalia are much for muchness for me. I think they're decent defenders that do have little shortcomings. I think Cathcart's passing is not super progressive, is it? Um, Cabasali probably a little bit more progressive with the ball, but is also prone to a little bit of silliness. Um, so yeah, give it, give it, give it to Wilmot, but. Realistically, it's going to be Cathcart, isn't it? Because you're not going to bring Wilmot in from the cold at such an important time. I do feel like if he was fit, I feel like Cabaselli would be the one that Shishka would choose, though. Yeah, I think I'd go along with that. I think it's, if, you took, if you're looking at bringing Truce to Con, I think it's, it's something you've got to look, you've got to reassess in the summertime. But currently, I do feel like one of the real strong points we've, we've, we've had has been how combative and efficient our centre backs have been. There have been some. some uh, possession issues but I think dropping Will Hughes a little bit deeper has kind of subsided that a little bit too we've not really had to ask him too much to, to look too far forwards I know obviously Truce Kong has a couple of times and most of the times he's lost that ball it's not actually been he's trying to play it into, into Hughes when he's been blocked off so if you're looking at just bringing in the centre-back that can give you some similar production I think in those kind of one-on-one battles and, and duels I think Cabasilli is definitely a guy that could do that but I think it would also be nice I think we all have a bit of a soft spot for Wilmot especially you know, a younger guy It'd be nice to see him come in there, but it looks quite far off right now, doesn't it? Which is a bit of a shame. Mm. But um, yeah, I hope that answers your question, Adam. I think I think it's probably a case of we'd like to see Wilmot or Cabasilli in there, but it's probably be Cathcart. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we all know what Cathcart's a known quantity. He's, he's a safe pair of hands, and I think at this point in the season we could we could do a lot worse. Um, so I think we'll probably will see that that Cathcart kind of reuniting with uh, well, I say reuniting. Have they even played together, Siriato and Cathcart? But we'll find out what that kind of that back four looks like um, but if I had to make a change that you felt like it would be too disrupting to that back four I think Cathcart would be a pretty safe one okay great stuff 
Uh, my thanks as usual to yourself, Jordan, and to Tom for joining me this afternoon. You can find those guys. It's not this afternoon. It's this evening. It's, this evening. It's, it's basically eleven o'clock at night. This is um, very. This is very rare that we do this straight after the game. It is. Very so if rare. we've missed if we've missed anything, it's because we've gone we've gone in straight to the game. We've had no notes. We've just gone straight to it. So credit to you, Matt, for putting together a line of question in there because generally you've got a little bit of time to prepare. And yeah, that's all right. Thank you. Thank you. I don't. I don't often get that much praise. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, and I had to, deserve, I had to prepare for my, for my commentating game tomorrow as well. I had loads of stuff to do. Um, right, enough, enough about me. Um, right, we can. Uh, you can find out about those guys on Twitter. Of course, you can at Jordan Wyman and at TB Bedell. Uh, please also follow us at Watford Pod. By the way, uh, we've now had eleven thousand all-time uh, downloads, which is amazing, uh, and three thousand of those have come in the last thirty days, uh, which means that more and more people. Are, are, are listening and tuning in. In fact, we had over 1,000 people listening to us just in the last seven days, which is a 135% increase. You guys don't care about that, but um, <laughs> but I care about that. I think it's fantastic that uh, that more people are coming and finding us. And it's all because of your good work, because you're out there. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to everyone here. You're all sharing the pod. You're um, you're, you're tweeting about it. You're, uh, you're telling Jordan uh, how much you love it. Um, and and I, hopefully hopefully you, you do like it. Um, if you don't, please get in touch as well. Tell us what you don't like about it so that we can improve it for you. Um, and, and if you do like it, please leave us a review. We'd love a review. We haven't had a review for a little while now. Um, you can you can review us. Uh, I think the only place you can view us is on iTunes. So if you don't listen to us on iTunes, just just go to iTunes anyway and give us a review. Why, why not? Why not? We, only for we need to have one. a section. We need a section of discussion here that only takes place between the people that actually stay and listen to this portion of the podcast because we're so deep into it right now. I hope there's someone listening. Um, I actually one thing I'm curious to know. I, I I'm a big podcast listener. I'm sure you two you two are as well. But I, do, I always yeah. I, do, I do think to myself I wonder what people are doing when they're listening to this podcast. I wonder what 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 this podcast suits. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is, this, is this a podcast listening to where you're going for a jog? Is it a podcast listening to where you're folding laundry or you know washing dishes? If the one person that's still listening right now, let us know what you're doing. I'm I'm actually fascinated to know what you're doing right now. Um, well. I, yeah. I have it on good authority that uh, at least one person out there. And I, I won't name him just in case he doesn't want uh, want to be want to be named. But he, he told me the other day that he loves the the pod. Uh, he's one of my my uh, fellow players uh, from the Watford Internet <laughs> football team. Uh, okay, I wonder where you're going. <laughs> what players from? I don't know. Just I just didn't know where we were heading. Carry on. By the way, uh, if you're interested, Watford have like a fans team. They're called the Watford Internet Football Team, and we we beat uh, AFC Wimbledon five three the other day. Uh, which oh, was very exciting. One. Yeah. No thanks to me though. In goal, my terrible performances. Uh, <laughs> almost, almost let them back in, but uh, thankfully we had some good players who were able to uh, to uh, sort of hide my embarrassment and, and, and score some goals. Uh, anyway, right. That was probably the longest. No, ever you, you didn't. You didn't finish your. You didn't finish your thought. <laughs> one of your players. He said that he. Oh yeah. He said. He, he said. He, he said he listens. I'm so sorry. He said he listens when he goes for a walk. He said he enjoys going oh. for a walk and uh, and and he listens to us when he's on his walk. So um, yeah. It's, that's definitely that's definitely one of the one of the things that people do. I usually jog whenever I listen to uh, other pods. Um, I was going to say the Watford bus. I don't I don't actually listen to us back. Funnily enough, uh, the weird thing is you just listen to your audio stream too, which is strange. <laughs> I mean, I have to listen to it while I'm editing it. So I mean, I get to listen to it three or four times, just cutting out all of your breath. That's stream. painful. Yeah, I'm sorry. I do apologise for that, guys. I try my best to improve that. I, I try. I, 
I can't. I, I, I try to move. Thing that Tom drops and clicks in the background. God, you guys. I, I just my life sentences are just so long. My grammar needs to improve that by the time I finish it, I have to take a deep breath. I might leave all this in yeah. No, I'm thinking. Yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Well, I mean, we haven't actually been recording that long, considering. Okay, uh, we'll be back again uh, next week to... Actually, you know what, Jordan? Why don't you... Uh, why don't you lead, lead us out here, Jordan. Lead us out. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you for the looting game. I'll be talking about the looting game. Also, I'll be doing a preview podcast before. So That'll tune be. in, and we'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.